This podcast is sponsored by the Copywriter Underground. It's our new membership designed for you to help you attract more clients and hit 10K a month consistently. For more information or to sign up, go to thecopywriterunderground.com. What if you could hang out with seriously talented copywriters and other experts, ask them about their successes and failures, their work processes and their habits, then steal an idea or two to inspire your own work? That's what Rob and I do every week at the Copywriter Club podcast. You're invited to join the club for a special unnumbered episode as we chat with direct response copywriter and copy coach Amy Posner about her coaching program, The Copy Clinic, how her business has changed since we spoke with her more than 100 episodes ago, how to build authority, and what it takes to write great copy today. Welcome back, Amy. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you back. It's about time. So why don't we start with what you've been up to since you were last on the show over a year ago? It's sort of shocking that it was that long ago. <laughs> um, well, I've been up to a lot. I mean, my, my copy business has morphed considerably. Um, you know, I, I stopped taking on super big projects I guess, yeah, the beginning of this year, the beginning of 2018, you know, I used to love these really big complex projects that were like $20,000, $30,000, lots of moving parts, you know, a, lot, a long time to complete them. Um, and I'd usually do a couple of them overlapping. And I just, it just got to be too, too involved for me. It was just, it was too complex and it was too long. And I wanted to do things that were a little bit shorter and a little bit more repeatable because all those kinds of things are usually custom one-off projects. So I started doing streamlining what I was doing um, in terms of client projects. And in the meantime, what happened last year, I ended up coaching the Copy Hackers Mastermind, Copy Hacker Mastermind 3 over the summer when Joanna was away. And that morphed into me coming on as the co-coach for her 10x um, freelancer course and then that morphed into me being the co-coach in the Copy Hackers Mastermind 4, which is, I guess, th we're three months into. It's a six-month program, that it, or four months, whatever, that ends at the end of this year. So from all of that coaching <laughs> has come more private coaching because people came to me from those programs and asked for help with specific things. And then I ended up launching my own group coaching program, Copy Clinic, um, and so, yeah, so things have changed just really significantly. I, I'm doing different work than I was doing a year ago for the, I guess, for the majority of my, you know, work time. Yeah. So can you just talk to us more about why this big pivot? I mean, it sounds like you were just kind of maybe tired of those big projects, which can be overwhelming, but this is a big change in your business. So what really triggered it? You know, it's a, it's a good question. I it's so funny this 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 entrepreneurial journey. You know, I've been on it a long time, and I just find that it, it it well at least if you stay open, things change. You know, like different opportunities are presented, and you see things differently. And you know, as you grow and change, and I think I think I just I really wanted just a change in my in my in my work and in my sort of in my lifestyle. And I, I kind of hate to use that word, but what I realized. You know, and I guess this is probably true for a lot of us, but, you know, I work for myself and I'm my own toughest boss. And I don't, I, I just don't give myself enough time and enough breathing space. And I'm always feeling like there's something else I should be doing or ought to be doing. And I, and I realized at one point, I don't want to be living my life that way. This is not, 
what I want my day-to-day existence to be. And it's so if I don't, it's up to me to to control that. And it's really hard. I mean, I guess I'm a little bit of a workaholic. I'm not a perfectionist, but I really like to like sort of go the extra mile. So I'm trying to find what fits my life so that I can have a more sane life. And I've got some different plans for that, even to, to evolve that in, into the next year as I'm, as I'm getting clearer and clearer. So, so that, yeah, really that's what precipitated is, is wanting to have more time to do other things in life. So I want to talk a little bit about this specific move and what it is involved, because I think we all have a really good sense of, you know, what the job of a copywriter uh, entails and the things that we're doing every day. But the shift to coaching other copywriters seems pretty different. So we tell us, you know, what are the things that you've been doing as a coach in all of these different programs that you've been working in? Well, it's interesting. I seem to, people seem to come to me for, for two things primarily. One is for copy review. Um, like, you know, can you look at this? Tell me if it like, you know, does it work? What does it need? Is it strong? Is it weak? Um, and the other thing people come to me for is client, what I call client wrangling. That's what I've, someone threw that out and I liked it. So I kept it, um, which is dealing with, with all kinds of things, client related, you know, everything from, you know, I helped someone this week with email correspondence with a job she's trying to land and, and, you know, sort of had a, had a finesse the conversations with her client, other people come to me, you know, about pricing, or I want to break into this kind of copy, or I want to you know, do this kind of project. Do my skills, you know, do I have the skills? Can I do it? Um, so all kinds of things. And a lot of times it's client problems and challenges, like sort of how to, you know, how to be a business person <laughs> in a sense. You and I and Kira, we've talked many, many times over the last, you know, several months. And so I have a sense of what you do, you know, with the client wrangling and you know, some of those uh, conversations, you even talked about it at our event. And so, I, yeah, I have a sense of that. And maybe, you know, we can continue to talk about that even more deeply. Yeah, I'm curious about the mindset, Amy, because letting go of big copy projects is challenging for many of us, I mean, I'm dealing with a similar challenge. It's just, I also feel like our ego is attached to these big projects. Like, oh, I can take this on and I can handle this. And if I let those go and make a shift and pivot, then maybe that says something about me that I, I can't do that. And um, did you have to deal with any mindset shifts as you've made these changes over the last year? Yeah, I'm still dealing with it because I, you know, I want to the position that I'm in right now is not a good one. I've, I've said yes to too many things. I just wasn't careful enough about it. So, so I am in that mindset thing of, of realizing, and it always comes back to being accountable to yourself, right? Because you're, you're the business owner and it's, you know, it's, it's your life and your business. And I find it incredibly difficult to turn down money. I just do. I like money. I like making money. So easy for us to say no to money, but yeah. Yeah, right. I know. Rare skill set. What do you all do? <laughs> oh, it's, it's really hard to do. And I, I care. I don't know for me if it's so much like the ego thing of landing the big projects. Maybe it would have been earlier on, but the novelty of that wore off. But it's it's kind of, there's, there's two things. One is I really like helping people. And some of these projects that show up just sound cool, yeah. right? They're, they sound like they'd be really interesting and I like the people and I want to help them. Um, that's That's one piece of it. Um, the other piece for me is that I, I've spent so long building my reputation and now I've got this great flow of inbound leads. So it feels like a bad business move that go. But what I realized, I, I've come to think of it differently, like that I can actually um, share those, help other people. And that that helps me in a, in a less direct way. And that it's like more like what, you know, what goes around comes around. 
Um, and that's what, but I, and that's my theory. I haven't put it into practice yet. So you know, get back with me in a, in a couple few months, and I'll I'll tell you if that works. But I've, I've put some things in place that I, I for accountability that I have to hold myself to saying no. I'm not taking any more projects for the rest of this year. I'd love to hear more about the pivot. Your pivot is unique to you. Some other copywriters may make a similar pivot, but we all at some point make a pivot in our business. It's almost like getting a promotion in the corporate world, except we have to promote ourselves now. Uh, so for a copywriter who's making some type of pivot, can you offer some advice as far as what has worked for you over the last year or more that you've made this pivot? And then also what hasn't worked as well, some of your struggles along the way, which you've mentioned a couple already. Yeah, I think the most important thing, and this is probably true for a pivot or even for day to day, is to make a plan and and detail it and follow it um, and trust yourself. I mean, you can, you can, you know, you can take little sort of pathways off, off of your main road of your plan. But I think, you know, we hear about this all the time, and it's not just copywriters, but sort of being, you know, distracted by shiny object syndrome or, you know, like squirrel what's going on, you know, get to, get to the next thing. And I think, and I think some of that is, you know, is, is sort of our culture, but I think it's also, you know, talking about mindset, I think it's a little bit of insecurity, you know, we're looking around and it looks like, you know, everyone's doing things better and faster and bigger. And so, you know, I, I make this pivot and I decide I'm going to go over here, but then I see you doing this and I'm like, Oh, geez, Kira's doing that. Maybe, maybe that's what I should be doing. You know, and I, and I get this sense of um, panic or insecurity. And I see that a lot in people and I think if you make a plan, you know, talk your plan over with somebody who, you know, who you respect, whose business, you know, savvy you respect, make sure it's a good plan and then, and then stick to it. And it's not easy. Um, like it's not easy saying no, like if that's part of your plan, for example. So build in some ways to do it and they don't all have to be punishing, um, you know, like reward yourself for, you know, if, Hey, if I say no, you know, three times, you know, I get to go to go for a meal at my favorite restaurant. I mean, it's stupid, but it Ooh, works. That's a good idea. Yeah. Like, you know, just build, build some things in because it's, it's so much easier to do the opposite and sort of beat yourself up for what you're not doing. But if you can be kind to yourself and make a plan and stick to it, you know, I think it, it's sort of, it sounds so mundane, but I think that's how, that's how you build a business. I really do. I really do think that, especially, if, you know, I can, I can say, because I haven't been, I haven't always been really good at that. So I've seen when I have done it, it works really well. When I get distracted, not so much. Yeah, we. I think we've seen this in a lot of other businesses that you know we've seen in, with people in our think tank and you know in the group, in the Facebook group, people who are trying to start courses or do interesting things in their business. And it's just a matter of just getting started. Maybe you know having the goal and then pulling the trigger and moving forward. Yeah, and being willing to you know to not be perfect. I think you know what, what can you do that's that's minimum viable and and test something out and. You know, and that's actually, that's how I launched Copy Clinic. I was kind of proud of myself because I tend to be, you know, real fast, you know, like, let's just, let's just get it up and running. And I actually like, did a, a, a proper pilot process and, you know, I really did all the, all of the steps that, that were supposed, that I was supposed to do. And Hey, it worked. That's kind of what I mean about following the plan. It's like, okay, there's, you know, this has been done before. Let's just like do this step one and step two and step three and, and be logical about it. Let's talk about Copy Clinic. What is the Copy Clinic and what are you doing inside you know, there to help other writers. So Copy Clinic, is it's an interesting program. It's kind of morphed since it started. It's a group coaching program. I think it started, it's been about five, six months then, five months. So it started as a, as a copy review program. And the idea was that people who are writing copy for their clients would submit their copy each week and I would mark it up and make comments. And then we'd meet once, well, we'd meet several times a month and we would discuss those, that, those copy changes or 
you know, potential changes and ideas. You know, we would discuss, we would talk about headlines and leads and copy principles. And I use a lot of times I use what I see in the copy to teach copy principles, you know, like, we'll, you know, we'll talk about like, you know, guarantees or calls to action or um, risk reversal or, you know, all of these different things that you can use in the copy and where and why to strengthen the copy. So that, so what it morphed from that to talking more about copy principles and more about the pieces of copy. So in other words, um, it's really, it's really interesting. You know, we, we mostly write alone. I mean, sometimes we have other people look at our copy, but rarely, I think, do we sit and get to brainstorm about, okay, here's all the, you know, here's all the juicy stuff. Now, like, you know, what big ideas and hooks and leads can we pull out of this? I mean, usually we're doing that in isolation. Um, and mostly people still are, but when they bring it to Copy Clinic, we can we can talk about those things. So sometimes they'll bring it at the beginning of the project or even during a project. Um, and we'll talk about what they've got or how it could be better or maybe how it should be different. And so there's there's a lot that happens when you talk about the copy, and I think it also increases confidence because as you talk about it, you, you start to see how these ideas um, come together. So that's so that's the, what we're doing now. And then the other thing that I introduced a couple of months in was this client wrangling piece because we have a pretty active Slack group and people were asking client questions in in the in the copy sessions. So now we've morphed the, the copy clinic into doing a little bit of copy review using the copy review to jump off and talk about copy principles. Um, but people are also bringing their, um, their client, you know, questions like anything from like proposals or, you know, how to write proposals and scoping to, you know, this person, you know, didn't like my work or thought I needed to do this or that, or, you know, how many, how many ways can I say this or do that? So it's morphed into kind of a, a mix of of copy learning, copy critiquing, and client wrangling, and that's a lot in one program. So right, it's it's hard to talk about just the copy without talking about the client behind the copy too. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. What surprised you the most about this program so far? I mean, as far as even running it or success stories, what copywriters are dealing with, the biggest challenges, what comes to mind? What's really blown me away is that people, how fast people are improving and that several people in the program have, have raised their prices. One person's raised her prices wow. twice and they're getting a little bit more streamlined in what they're doing. I think a lot of that just comes from the confidence of, you know, month after month, you know, iterating your copy and improving it. And then the copy you bring is better and it's better and it's better and your confidence improves and you have someone over your shoulder saying, hey, you know, I think you could charge a little more for that. Um, and, you know, it's nice having someone in your corner. To, to help you do that and to show you how to do it. So that that surprised me because that was what I was hoping, but I, I wasn't sure it would happen and I wasn't sure it was happening that fast. The other thing that surprised me is, and this is a copy-related thing, how often um, the, and this is, this is probably more common than I realized, but I was always used to looking at my own copy, right? Not everyone else's. And this is, I'll never forget this because um, Natalie Smithson was in the pilot group of the copy clinic. And what she said, how she described it was like, when you start your copy, it's almost like clearing your throat when you're starting to speak like, um, well, uh, uh." and a lot of like a lot of um, headline and hero sections are like that. I mean, even like the first block of, you know, of copy under, you know, under that. And, and it would almost be like, you'd read it and you'd, you'd feel that sense of, um, Oh, this isn't going to work. And but what would happen, and this is what surprised me, is almost invariably 
a really good headline and lead was buried. And, ju- and usually it was like in the top third or the top half of the copy. And so you'd re- be reading through it and like getting more interested. And then all, all of a sudden it would feel like all the throat clearing start, stopped and the copy started. And so what's good about that is, yeah, the real copy is there. What's bad about that, if you don't have somebody looking at it, is, you know, you might be putting copy out there that no one's ever going to get to what that, you know, the real media is because you've got, you know, your first part is all this sort of, you know, unnecessary, unnecessary fruit clearing. So that's amazed me. Like I would say 80 or 85% of the time, that's what we find that in the copy that people bring. And these, and these are good copywriters. These are really talented people. This isn't like a bad thing or something they haven't learned. It's almost like you haven't learned to get rid of that piece yet. And you guys also do some monthly trainings in uh, the copy clinic as well. It's not just review of copy or talking amongst yourselves. I know uh, I've been in there to teach a little bit. Kira's been in there and you've had some others as well. Will you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So last month we had Val Geisler speaking um, about email and email onboarding sequences that she does for SaaS and kind of you know what she's done and how she's evolved her business. And that was super, super insightful for people, just really, um, really helpful. We've got we've got a couple of interesting things coming up. Um, and we've had some other guests too, but I, I'm, I'm very much thinking about the things we have coming up because we've been uh, presenting topic ideas to people. Um, so we're going to do tools and technology. We're going to do a, how to be organized, you know, when your life is insane, like how to, you know, break through and kind of deal with the, you know, the important, not the urgent, deal with your big rock stuff. Okay, sign me up for that one. I'll be there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we, had a lot of, we had a lot of enthusiasm on that one. Um, so I'm going to try and just keep doing topics or having guests come in on topics that seem relevant at the moment. Like what are people dealing with? Um, and then if we've got multiple topics, like we do this time, giving people a choice. Um, and then I think we'll do some, you know, some new year, new year kinds of things in 2019, maybe some, you know, some, some goal setting or some, or some planning. Um, I'm, I'm into short-term goals. So maybe we'll do like a first quarter goal and see if we can see if we can move the needle for some people in that or two. And we are a partner. Uh, we've partnered with you on Happy Clinic because we believe in what you're creating. And, uh, you know, the backstory is really that Rob and I tried to create something similar and we just didn't have the bandwidth to do it. And in the meantime, you had created something that you presented to us and just looked really perfect, uh, especially for the needs of a lot of the copywriter club members. So, um, we should say that, that we, like we stand behind what you've created and, um, really believe in it because it's helped, at least for me, it's helped me greatly to partner with you on projects and work directly with you and learn from you, um, before you even created the copy clinic, but just through projects, I actually, I miss working with you on projects. I feel like we need to do that again. Um, but how important it is to continue to get feedback on your copy and your business. Like you said, you're providing, um, both and covering both, but what would you say? I mean, why is this really important and even important for copywriters who aren't newbies and maybe they've been at it for a year or more um, or maybe even five years. And they're like, I don't need feedback. I've been doing this for a while. Why is it so important that we continue to get feedback on our copy, especially? It's a great question. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because it's, this can be a hard thing to talk about because it it does feel somewhat esoteric sometimes. Like, you know, what's, what's the hard thing that you'll get out of this? Um, you know, and we, and we may, we may get that out yet, but I think what's, what's important about it. and, And actually I don't, think it matters if, if you've been doing this for a year or you've been doing it for 10 years or more, it, it's almost impossible to get perspective on your own work. It just is. And especially if you're doing either a long or a complicated project, you know, with a lot of parts, 
it can, it can be really overwhelming and it can be hard to sort out and keep perspective because you've got a lot of things you're managing in a project, right? You've got, you're managing, you're doing management, you're doing the, you know, you're doing the client management, you've got your research, you've got your copy. Um, if it's a big project, you may have other people working on pieces of it. So there, there's a lot, there's a lot to, to deal with. Um, and the longer the piece is, the more, the longer you work on it and, and probably the more little, you know, sort of tweaks and adjustments you're making. And there comes a point, I mean, tell me if this doesn't happen for you guys, where you just have no clue anymore. I mean, you can't see it. You can't read it. The only hope for it is maybe if you put it down for three or four weeks, which you don't have the luxury of. So, you know, it's one of those things. I mean, somebody can come in with outside eyes who's, you know, who's, who has enough experience you know, to know how to do this and help you just see what you can't and make improvements and strengthen the copy. I mean, and that goes for me too. I mean, I can write a piece of copy and Kira, you can come in or Rob and say, and see things I would never see. It's, and the other piece of that is Sometimes you you can elevate the ideas. You know, Rob might look at a headline I have and say, "Yeah, but you know, if you you know did this or did that, or you know maybe if you shortened it, or you know like where, where's the you or your in here, or you know the, the thing that I maybe just totally missed, but he sees in a in a heartbeat." Um, but it's super helpful and it makes and it makes the copy work. So I think I think just that perspective, and it's not something we talk about. So I think we all feel to some extent like, "Oh, I should be able to do this alone," and I think. The other side of that is people feel a little um, self-conscious, vulnerable to show their copy. So I, I try and be just really kind and always find what works. And honestly, for most people, they're better than they think they are. They're not worse than they think they are. They come to the copy clinic, you know, sort of hangdog and they, they you know, they leave sort of standing up tall like, oh, I'm pretty good at this. I, I, yeah, I didn't know. So, that, you know, and, that, and that's, that's a really good benefit. Hey, we're just jumping into the show today to tell you a little bit more about the Copywriter Underground. Rob, what do you like best about this membership? So this membership community is full of copywriters that are investing in their businesses and taking what they do seriously. Everything is focused around three ideas, copywriting and getting better at the craft that we all do, marketing and getting in front of the right customers so that you can charge more and earn more, and also mindset so that you can get out of your head and focus on the things that will help you be successful at what we do. There's a private Facebook group for the members of the community, and we also send out a monthly newsletter that's full of advice, again, on those three areas, copywriting, marketing, and mindset, things that you can mark up and you know tear out, put them in your file, save them for whatever, and it's not going to get lost in your email inbox. Carol, what do you like about the Copywriter Underground? So I, I love the monthly hot seat calls where our members have a chance to sit in the hot seat and ask a big question or get ideas or talk through a challenge in their business because we all learn from those those situations. And then I also feel like the templates we include in the membership are valuable because who wants to reinvent the wheel? And Rob and I end up sharing a lot of the templates and resources we use in our own businesses. So I would definitely want to grab those. So if you are interested in joining a community of copywriters that are investing in their business and in themselves and trying to do more, get more clients, earn more money consistently, go to thecopywriterunderground.com to learn more. Now back to the program. Yeah, I like that a lot. Let's Because you're reviewing so much copy, let's talk a little bit about the mistakes that people are making as well. Uh, so it's awesome that people walk away thinking, yeah, I'm, I'm better than I thought I was, or you know, I'm, I'm actually really good at my job. But you're seeing all kinds of things that people are missing or things that they could do to improve. So 
you know, I, I'm not sure that there's maybe a top five list or anything like that, but what are the biggest mistakes that people make over and over and over in the copy that you see as you coach them? Yeah. Well, just before I say that, I just want to say, you know, when people do get that sort of like standing up tall and feeling good, it's like that, that's what allows them now to go forward and improve the copy. Cause before they were like, Oh gee, I don't even know if I'm good and I shouldn't show this. So, so there's, there, you know, that's, that's not like a, a be all and end all. That's like the beginning of, Oh, I could be better and I could be a real, you know, a real pro. Um, but the things that I see a lot is I, I see too much copy. I mean, I see copy that's, that doesn't, it's not crisp. It's, it's not crisp or it doesn't pass, you know, what we used to call the breath test, right? If you can read the <laughs> sentence and not run out of breath, it's not too short. If you, if you run out of breath, it's too long. And a lot of them you're like, you know, you're panting at the end. So, you know, big chunks of copy. Um, a lot of, I see, you know, what I see is a lot of little explanation copy, like, and what that really means. And so that, and stuff that just like, if you cut it out, it, re, it like, it, it suddenly it like crisps up and it has momentum. So I, I think what happens is, is people f- like feel this need to, I don't know, explain in copy, like, like literally explain instead of like le- using the copy techniques to describe. The thing I see the most is, is a lot of rambling and a lot of unnecessary copy. The other thing that really surprises me, um, and maybe it shouldn't because I've seen this in my own copy, is, is really disorganized copy. And I think that comes from losing perspective, you know, sort of, so you know, like maybe the the vast majority of it is right, but there's something missing or there's something in the wrong place, or you have all the concepts, but they're just not organized, like following, you know, PAS or AIDA or, or PASOP or any of the formulas. It's like you have all the, all the pieces are in there, but they don't make that logical argument. Um, and that's a, that's a good one because it's pretty, it's pretty easy to fix. And it's a relief because you start reading through something and you think, oh, this just doesn't work. And then you find out, well, it does, it, it's all here. It just doesn't work because it's not put together correctly. Oh, you know, another thing that I see a lot is, is, is people are, are pretty weak on CTAs. And it's almost like, it's interesting, you know, like, in, you know, how we used to talk about like, you know, you, you write the, the close first and then you write everything to the close because you know what the close is. And it almost feels like um, people are forgetting <laughs> about the close. It's like, it's all about telling you telling you about the thing. And then there's like no opportunity to get the thing. Um, or when you get to getting the thing, it's really weak. It's like, okay, so, you know, click here. And it's like, oh, no, no, no. Um, so, so that's the thing. And then speaking of that, the other thing I find is, is there's a lot of um, feeling that the copy, the length of the copy is determined by the price. So that people think if you're selling something that's at a really low price point that, you, you know, you can't, people won't commit much to that. They won't commit time to reading about it. Um, and if it's a higher price point that you need a lot of copy to sell it. And really what we know is that it, it, it's, it's really dialed into people's states of awareness and levels of sophistication, not the price of the product. And, and sometimes it's actually easier to sell something that's a higher price. Um, but we've had, we've had a lot of discussions about that. Like me trying to convince people that it's really worth writing like a full blown sales page for, you know, a 1995 product or a $47 product or whatever it is. Um, especially if it's part of, of an Ascension funnel, but you know, I, I personally love that, you know, when you're like reading through something and you're, you're like, you want it so badly and you're like, oh, I'm, I'm sure I'll never be able to afford this because, you know, because they're making this big argument and, excuse me, making you really want it. And then you find out it's, you know, it's really affordable and you, know, you just buy it instantly. Right. Um, so anyway, that, that I find that a lot. We've had a lot of conversation about that. It's almost like, you know, people think direct response is, you know, is hypey and salesy and they're afraid of it. I think it's the same way. They're like, it's that same thing. It's like closing the deal or, you know, asking people for the sale. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of grittiness in there for people. 
How have you seen long form sales pages shift over the last few years, if they have? You know, it seems that it, to me, it, and interestingly, it seems like they've gotten more concise. And some of it has to do with the like UX with the user experience. And it feels to me like a little bit like like web design has caught up more with these long form sales pages because they they're more commonly like easy to read and easy to get into. And it seems to me that we've used more sort of graphic diversion than than we used to. Um, even a few years ago, just to, to keep people in because they've become more, I don't know if, if, if sales letters have become more ubiquitous, but I don't know. I, I guess there's a feeling every year that people are, you know, are, are getting more and more messages putting it, put in front of them and that we have to get better and better at, at what we do. And I think that's probably been true forever. Um, I think the digital world just makes it feel like it's like happening all that much faster. But it seems to me that there, there do, do you see that too? with UX and sort of how, how things are laid out and presented? Yeah, I just, I find that I'm paying a lot more attention to to mobile. And um, even if my clients aren't, <laughs> I need to keep drawing the attention back to mobile yeah. and UX. Yeah. yeah, I think that's 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 the biggest thing. And for me, just, you know, working on so much copy, I feel like I, I, it's like my contribution to helping tighten up the copy that's out there in the world, my, my little teeny sliver. So Amy, one of the things that I've heard you talk a lot about is, you know, the client conversation and how do you manage the back and forth with a, a good client. And really it, it all comes down to in a lot of ways, building your authority with your client. What do you have to say to a copywriter who's looking for, you know, ways to, you know, build their authority or to look more impressive or, you know, to get in front of the right clients? Like how could you help that person out? Yeah. How do you help that person out? So it's sort of foundationally, I, I believe that, you know, to build a professional business, you, you kind of have to, you know, put a stake in the ground, right? And you have to, you know, get, call yourself or whatever you are, you know, a, a copywriter or a consultant or a strategist. And one of the, the reasons that that's important is because there's, you know, copywriting is a funny business, right? Because you have people that use copy, but don't understand copy. And so, it's important for clients to understand that you're not just someone who who executes, but someone who can strategize and execute. Because um, most copywriters can. And when copywriters start seeing that, I mean, I, you, it's hard to write good copy without being a marketer or without understanding marketing. Um, and, and even if you're a content writer. And so I think that copywriters need to... Some, somehow like put on their business hat because when you command you could command respect of the client you have to run the show and that's the really good clients the high paying clients um and, and not all good clients are good clients because they're high paying clients i mean some people are you know they they pay well and they're great to work with and so it's not all about the, the money necessarily but you know good good clients who respect your work who you know who give you autonomy who who trust you um they want someone who's sort of turnkey, right? You know, if you can, and then think of yourself and I mean, anybody listening that hires anybody for any service, if you trust that person and you feel confident in them, then, then you, you're relaxed because it's off your plate, right? You don't have to worry about it. You've called this expert, you know, they're going to handle it. But if you don't know the expert's going to handle it, then you stress about it and it doesn't really help you. <laughs> and you can't, if you can't completely let go of something and it's still on your plate, the job isn't completely done. So, and even if you're not aware of that as the client, it's not you're not going to feel like you want to work with that person again. Where on the other hand, if somebody really controls the situation and you feel like they have a process and you're in good hands, 
um, you can let go some more. So the way that that happens, though, it starts from the very beginning. I mean, it literally starts with controlling the prospecting conversation, um, whether it starts by, however it starts, whether it's by, by email, by video, by phone, um, you want to be in control and not just be an order taker. Like, oh, yes, oh, I'll do that and I'll do it at your price and, and whatever it is. It's, it's you really want to know the questions to ask to, to establish your authority. And some of that comes from confidence, but interestingly, some of it comes from what we were talking about earlier with any kind of advance in your business. It's making a plan and sticking to it, right? So knowing, you know, so I'll help people come up with their, their script or whatever they're going to use and then they'll practice it and perfect it. And lo and behold, it's like they, they go from like, I could never control the conversation to, hey, if I just use this kind of language, even if I don't feel 100% comfortable, it works. And that makes you feel more comfortable. And so, you you know, then, then before you know it, you've sort of leveled up what you're what you're doing. And that was a, that was a detailed answer. Um, but, I, I, you know, I think it, I think it really comes back to like knowing these things and then make committing to them, making a plan and, and then following through on it. Sounds so simple. That's yeah, when you say it like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's taken me a while to work on that piece of it. But even this week, I, I had a project or a client that I felt like was starting to get a little out of control with um, communication and I didn't like it. And so it was just, I think it's about like resetting expectations and we are the one who has to do that and no one else will do that in the project. So, um, but it's good to get to a point where you feel confident when you can jump in and reset expectations and say, here's how things are going to go. <laughs> like I'm taking the reins, you don't have the reins. Um, and it's, it's such a great feeling, but it comes with confidence and experience and working with people like you. Um, I'm curious to hear about how you have built your authority over the last year. And it's it's slightly different because it's more about stepping into the coach space, which you've been in for a while, but really owning that space as a mentor, coach, um, and, and everything else that you have become over the last few years. Um, what have you done to really get out there? Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm in a funny position um, and a really lucky position, I think, fortunate position. And part of it's just because I've been around a long time. But I feel, and this is going to sound strange, but I feel I feel really fortunate. Like I, I get to work with you two. I've gotten to work with Kevin Rogers. I get to work with Joanna. So, I mean, I, I have gotten to be visible in spaces with like the three, those three groups where, you know, you guys have, have worked really hard to build your authority and are really respected. And we happen to be colleagues. So that's, you know, that's just been really fortunate for me. But the, the other thing that I've done is I've really, really tried to make as many connections as I can and be as helpful as I can. Um, and not actually, I really enjoy that. And it's funny because I've, I've been talking about this lately and it feels corny to say, I really like helping people. Um, but I actually really do. I get really energized when, like if I give somebody something, um, you know, that, that makes them feel like, Oh, I can go out and do this now. I, I just, I feel good. It, it gives me energy. And I, and so I, I guess, you know, that's, that's been the thing that's, that's really worked for me is to just sort of put myself out there and try and, and be helpful. And that, and that is included, you know, when people reach out to me, I mean, I respond to everyone. I will take the time. I, I don't know that I can continue to do it, but 
I've taken the time like to hop on the phone with people or, you know, give them some advice to the extent that I can or look at their copy and make suggestions. And so anyway, that, that, that's how, how yeah, I love doing what it. you're talking about here, because uh, this is something that Kira and I talk about a lot. And in a lot of ways, it's just about getting in the right rooms with the right people. Exactly. And, and that takes, you know, that's hard to figure out. What are your right rooms, right? Like wh- <laughs> where, where do you want to be and where do you want to plant yourself? But it's, it's funny though, because I have, I have done much better, like going to copywriting conferences and making, of course, that's my market now, but even just making connections with copywriters for clients than I have going to sort of industry specific or marketing conferences. The group that is copywriters is just like, it's an incredible resource. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so Amy, I'm curious, you know, where you go from where you are now. What's next for you? Is it just more of the same or is your business going to continue to evolve? Yeah, it's going to evolve. I am going I have decided in 2019 and I've got to figure this out how how much I can do this, but I'm going to hire myself to the extent that I can either for like the first quarter or for a good chunk of the first quarter and I want to get started on sort of productizing some of this this knowledge and information to make it accessible to people, um, like maybe in, in probably in product form, like in course form. So that's, and that'll serve me because I'll be able to serve more people and I need to get off, I need some leverage. I need something that's going to work for me um, that doesn't involve my direct input of hours. Amy, so how are you managing all of this answering all your emails, which I definitely don't do, um, taking phone calls, managing multiple programs that are intense, time intensive, running client projects. What does your business look like behind the scenes? You know, it's interesting. I, I, I was managing it up until like the last couple, I was managing it really well up until the last couple of weeks. And I'd say how we've been managing it is poorly, but what's really helped me. And you know, this happens, right? It's like, this is like part of the trajectory of business. And this thing we always talk about, about, you know, entrepreneurship, it's like, you have to have time to work on your business and not in your business, just not just in your business. And when you stop making that time, um, you really feel it, and things start to things start to fall apart a little bit. At least they do for me. Um, so the way that I've handled that is hiring. Well, I don't hire. I haven't hired them, but I have um, contractors. So I have I have an assistant who does a lot for me, and now I've just brought on somebody else. So and what she does for me is more administrative um, and technical. She does a lot of my my all my tech stuff. But now I've got somebody who's more on the copy side. I have someone helping me with um, client research and. I actually have people, I have other people working on projects with me. That's not a model I I believe that I will continue for a variety of reasons. But so I've kind of done the same, I've taken in the same amount and maybe even a little more, but I've I've got a bit of a team. Yeah, that's how I've done it. It's not, I don't have it dialed in perfectly. There's definitely some changes I have to make, but it's, it's the way that I've managed to at least scale and grow a little bit. So I'm actually curious now that you've brought that up about, you know, when you say you might not be continuing forward on some of these things, we've talked with others in the past who are trying to build, you know, this micro agency or working with contractors. We've talked uh, with some who've done it and didn't like it. And so they pulled back in their business. Uh, I'm, I'm curious, you know, what are the challenges there that are making you think maybe that's not the direction I want to go? You know, for me, the challenge is hyper-responsibility. I can't let go. I just can't. Um, I just feel this sense of responsibility to the client. And I mean, I, the way that I've, I've positioned it is clients know that that I've got somebody working on the project with me. Um, 
and you know they're, they're people who are talented and capable and of having them interact with the clients but i'm still finding that i feel i've got that like thing in the back of my mind like what's happening with that project has she done this yet has she done that will she do it you know maybe i'm sure working with people over a longer period of time that would be more predictable but i still i feel like if i can't let go it's like then the whole then i've got the weight of that whole thing and i can't you, you know, you can only have so many of them, right? So if I'm doing projects that I'm working on solo and I've got two of those and I've got three of these projects out, I, I, it's, it's more than I can handle. My brain, you know, just gets overloaded. Yeah, no, definitely. I've felt that weight before. So I know what you're talking about. Um, so before we wrap, can we talk about where copywriters can go if they're interested in the copy clinic? Oh, sure. Yeah, of course. So there's a, there's a page up, an informational page about Copy Clinic at my website, which is Amy Posner. So A-M-Y-P-O-S-N-E-R.com forward slash copy dash clinic. Um, and I think if you just go to amyposner.com, come to think of it, there's a, there's a, um, a banner at the top right at the moment for Copy Clinic. So super easy. Amyposner.com is where they should go to find out more about you. Right. That too. I'll say one more thing about it. So, and co- the way Copy Clinic works is it's it's a it's not because people have said to me, well, when do you launch it and how do I get in? It's a rolling seat, if you will. It's like a think of it like a conference table, and you know, someone might sit at the table for six months and then go off on their own, and now there's a seat open and someone else can get in. Um, and so, right now, we have a few seats open, and and that's how it works. I mean, you can you can in fact come and go if there are seats that are available. So it's not, it's not a program that, you know, has a start and an end. Can you just remind us one more time of what they get when they opt in and join? Yeah. So copy clinic meets three times a month in groups of eight. So there's two groups of eight to kind of, well, we to keep them small and also to accommodate time zones because we have people from all over the world. So we meet three times and in those sessions, what we're doing is we're going over copy that people have submitted and that I have reviewed and marked up. So every week when people submit copy, they get a marked up document back, um, you know, with comments and the reasons for the comments and, and the potential um, or suggested changes. So, so they get that, but inside of the session, we will actually go over some of those. And like I was saying earlier, now we go over them from the point of view of a, you know, of like a copy principle. Like why, why is this important? Like, you know, wh- why would you do this here instead of that? And then that can get us into a conversation of, um, well, almost anything, but usually like, you know, the state of awareness and the prospect and the one reader and, and how well we have it dialed in and that sort of thing. And then we'll also talk, that's, that's, those are the sessions where we'll, you know, people will bring client concerns or questions. And what's nice about it is almost everyone has the same ones in a different form. So, um, it's good for people to hear what other people are going through. So that happens three times a month. Um, and those sessions are an hour and a half. And then once a month we have, um, a special guest, um, speaking on, you know, various topics that are related to what's going on with people at the moment. And then we've, then uh, there's two other things I do office hours. So once a week in Slack during the weeks that we meet those three weeks, um, there's an hour on Fridays for office hours where I'm just in there answering whatever questions come up or if people have iterated copy during the week um, and they want me to look at it during that hour, I can do that. Um, And the other cool thing, the final thing is that we, that Slack group has, has sort of morphed into a really nice community of, of people, you know, popping in and helping each other and answering questions. And, you know, that was something I, I hoped would come out of it, but wasn't sure it would, especially with the, you know, the rotating seats. But it's been, it's been a really good group of ambitious, like cool people to hang out with. So yeah, that's it. That's awesome. Thank you, Amy, for 
coming in to the studio again and sharing what's going on and especially about Copy Clinic. And we encourage anybody who's interested in that to check it out. Yeah. Thank you, Amy. Well, thanks you guys. And I just have, before we go, I just have to say like, hats off to you guys on the underground. You have created an awesome, awesome membership space. So congratulations, you guys. Yeah. Thanks again. <laughs> yeah. And we're glad that you're in there too. And you're active and providing a lot of feedback and support in that group. So thank you. Well, you didn't, guys didn't think you'd like go down underground down a hole and I wouldn't follow you. <laughs> <laughs> we were just waiting, just waiting for you to show up. Perfect. All right. Thank you, Amy. You've been listening to the Copywriter Club podcast with Kira Hug and Rob Marsh. Music for the show is a clip from Gravity by Whitest Boy Alive, available in iTunes. If you like what you've heard, you can help us spread the word by subscribing in iTunes and by leaving a review. For show notes, a full transcript, and links to our free Facebook community, visit thecopywriterclub.com. We'll see you next episode. Thank you.